Hello everyone, welcome to the Fieldworks talk number seven. Um, today we're welcoming the project Sorticity um, with Natalia Miodragovic and our guest Ivana Franker. This is the number seven of the series of talks curated by Jen Clark and myself, Maxime Le Calvé. Um, this happened on the 25th of March um, and there was a bit of mess with the re Zoom recording. So I think this is still very much enjoyable. I'll leave you now with Natalia, who was already speaking a few minutes when Zoom managed to start again with the recording. So I leave you with Natalia. Beginnings of architecture and its relationship to nature. Albert limited to the relationship between wooden and stone architecture with extrapolation to iron architecture in the course of 19th century. And Gottfried Semper, who uh, kind of launched this Stoff-Pexel theory, he expanded the spectrum of materials uh, of meaning with inclusion of arts and crafts and techniques of textile and also ceramics with an effect that is also indebted to the metaphor of metabolism borrowed from biology. So for me is interesting this, how uh, since origin in architecture is in biology, how we go back into architecture of algae, bacteria and fungi, since uh, um, there are some finite matter that we currently use like concrete and steel, sand, yeah. So the exercise is to look at city as a conservation, looking into city as condensation of conservation processes in a multi-scale, through different scales, layered semi-permeable membrane, like prosthetics in order to conserve yourself, clothes, clothing, storage, furniture, building and pavement. So, so kind of uh, understand city like layers of envelopes that we are always shielding ourselves from the terror in the thick air that we breathe. And then further, this shielding goes with the atmosphere. And so filamentation is a word that I like because uh, scientists describe distribution of matter in space with filaments. So this is, Maxi knows some exercise that we did. It's, uh, mycelium and in connection with this uh, from uh, uh, Max Planck Institute in Munich, visualization of distribution of matter in space. So this exercise with mycelium is interesting because filamentation are also uh, used, not like only mycelium and textile, but also in distribution of matter in space. So I did the, when Braunschweig, when Ivana was also teaching, uh, but uh, I did some exercise with students to actually work with this material. And then it was interesting in the sense that another skills were needed, like imagination, but also patience, because you deal with the living matter. And this to understand that all these layers of conservation could be made of something else was for young plastic minds easy to imagine, but also patience is something that you need like for cooking or something more than for building. And these are experiments with wool. So I will show also the project that I recently did. It's from uh, a cluster. And then I put here that architecture as weaving is the process of matter, domestication and taming matter. 
And the construction terminology, like from Gaius, for example, connected this weaving technology into construction, that is embedded in weaving practicing of taming method. Like in German, Decke, it means a blanket, but it's also a ceiling. And the English also have like this example. And then tension, resilience, stress, frustrated geometry are all kind of terminology which is coming from material. This is one exercise collage because we started cooperation with Professor Regina Henke, which is expert for biofilm. And then it's for Humboldt uh, um, uh, Forum. It's a big castle that it's rebuilt now in Berlin and it's point of big discussion. And when they said that we should do a project there, I pasted this bacterial uh, network, this image from research of Renge Senge to the facade, like uh, this is, like a future of this uh, castle. So uh, we were, I was looking a lot of filamentation of these bacteria that, that are uh, swarming, and then how to upscale and to understand this process, which is very interesting because they have another time dimension, another scale, and also in the evolutional method that the, between a couple of hours, you get the next generation of material so to say. So these macro colonies, we were also working like Kitty. I say upscaling macro colonies, we were looking at filamentation of bacterial community, but also of us humans, like a team who was producing. So from these images, we were then making this, uh, it will be open end of April, which is basically made from rattan. It's a kind of palm tree. And then try to make like an exercise. Can we as a humans knit this kind of geometry where the voids are uh, opening up to show the video and the research on the bacterial cellulose? Because swarming bacteria, the, this biofilm is actually cellulose, which is also something new because if you look, cellulose is traditionally produced by plants. So the uh, notion of what cellulose is and who is producing it, in cooperation with humans is also changing now. And here you see that it's a project which is very cooperation with uh, Nelly Singer, Daniel Suarez. And then with the uh, colleague Skander Harubi, he uh, really put some um, little bit of this rattan structure when biofilm was growing in between. So we see this growth as a possible method to for this layered membrane of architecture. So this is just one possible imagination, how this, uh, would this future city look strange or will be like we always do in architecture, what you currently have, you have building which are built to look like they are stone, but when you knock on them, I have, uh, they're actually hollow. They represent massive architecture, but actually it's basically styrofoam. So these are just some thoughts on fungi, fungi in English. I'm telling Latin version, fungia. In English is fungia. So that fungi are super interesting. So for me, like something that I thought just to make kind of possible building materials starts to be complete obsession. And this is why I choose it for field work because it's really, I really dived in the field of mycelium and there is no way out. And 
we have, have here one of texts that I chose. It's uh, about time. Fungi are time. They are decomposers. In the theater of matter that plays different time scales, fungi are dictating the time. They are giving space to decay, changing the time that is to the time that is to the time that was for the materials, objects, apples, and humans. The black mold in your bathroom on the silicon scene is actually eating it. Heterotrophic by nature, fungi are one of the main protagonists of symbiotic lifestyle. Together with photosynthetic creatures, everything becomes their food and thus their habitat. Meteorite, snow, oil, plastic, and you. Materials have their own speeds, often invisible to us. Fungi allow us to grasp the material time. And this is another expert I was choosing about future. This is an image from International Space Station. They were making uh, huge efforts to grow things in space, but then suddenly they discovered that on the International Space Station there are living mold is living for years, <laughs> like just by itself, which is very interesting since it's very high radiation in uh, outer space. So material catch in 20th century is still around human master and fungi are seen as material that will eat all and by doing so reverse the pollution and waste-based production. Since fungi can really eat everything, there is a lot of hope that we can just continue to live what we live and then fungi will eat all the bad things that we produce. In 2016, eight radiotrophic fungi species got themselves invited on board of the International Space Station, where environment has between 40 and 80 times more radiation than on Earth. The hope of the research is that they could become drugs, powerful sunscreens or composites that will protect humans from radiation on Earth and along space missions. Material engagement with radiotrophic fungi brings within our reach and our consciousness awareness the possible futures. With them, we could possibly succeed to inhabit outer space or stay on future Earth in spite of high radiation levels. So this also this uh, is uh, radiotrophic fungi are found in uh, Chernobyl that they are really eating radioactivity. Instead of using solar energy, they're using highly radioactive energy to feed themselves. And this gave uh, like a possibility for us to go to leave outer space because it's always radiation too high to leave. An interesting thing, they are black and they have melanin like the same uh, that we have in the skin. And then when working with fungi, is this uh, uh, came the question, this is image of Aurora Borealis where you look in the sky and you very strongly want to see something. And then at the end, you don't know, do you see it or you don't see it? And and then my field work is very often. <laughs> in my bathroom in the darkness, waiting to see the glow of a bioluminescent fungi. And this is how I thought then about Ivana, because this wish to see something that you at the end, 
they were not sure. Did they wanted to see it? Is it imagination or I really saw it? And this border between imagination and perception is where even is made really interesting for a dialogue. <laughs> okay, so it looks like um, I should get in. I would just like to say first, I'm sorry I'm like disappearing, but maybe yeah. <laughs> hope it doesn't go to your nerves. But uh, just uh, thank you very much, Ma uh, Natalia, for invitation and also Maxim. It's really wonderful to be here and actually to hear about this research and meet the community and everything. And to engage hopefully in, in conversation. I think this was uh, because I was talking with Nigel about this a little bit earlier, and it's um, uh, really exciting. And I just wanted to ask you uh, some question, which may maybe you skipped, but maybe you said in another way, but which is related actually to um, also to this perception and imagination, and also to the material that you were mm -hmm. talking a lot about, and about conservation. Uh, so you were saying that uh, actually conservation is related to the to time and to somewhat energy and uh, basically how how these materials are developing then actually forms the language and then from the language we we are defining some sort of mental states which are defining emotions and then it's a question like what does it mean that actually um, mushrooms or fungi fungi uh, <laughs> Actually, we uh, through using materials which is made from fungi, how does our how does this change our mental states and therefore perception and therefore again the space in some sort of loop? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we could be followed, but uh, yeah, but this I I realized that this uh, the words like stress and uh, resilience they are coming from materials and then how. Oh yeah, but how if we kind of really change our materiality, how we at the end we change ourselves? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, is there some quote? If you want to bring it out or not? No, yeah. no, no. The earlier tells me. Ah no, okay. No. Uh okay. yeah. Uh, maybe we have it at the end. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the, yeah, should I look? I thought no, we no. have to short. No, <laughs> to short to short. <laughs> that, that's why it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah that is so. about uh, energy, like a material state, not like mm -hmm. some shape of object. Now I'm really kind of uh, telling it fast, but this how can uh, this energetic level be materiality? Yeah. Okay, and then the next thing is when you came here, you started showing me. Uh, yeah. Can I show you? Yeah. <laughs> so these are these are some fungi that. Uh, yeah, we are just it's imagination or it you see it or you imagine it. It's interesting. They don't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You have some mushrooms. We can't see anything that you're going to hold up to the screen at the moment unless you change your yeah, background. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They are very small. <laughs> okay. It would be great if you could come closer to the screen when you speak because the computer doesn't is not so happy about um, like yeah. this shifting having two people like uh, ah, okay images. So we can change the background. Yeah, it's very weird, but also for the voice when you speak, it would be nice if you come closer. Uh -huh. More clo what you said to 
just more yeah just like normal yeah. distances if you were typing thank you so what are you showing to us now i didn't get this it's a small mushroom yeah even i wanted to tell that i was showing to her my Mushroom. Yeah, these are the bioluminescent mushrooms that you were drawing, and that uh, you wanted to show me that they're glowing. This is the image that she was uh, showing just now. Okay. So we were we were actually in the dark, and then like waiting if actually we can see something. And then the question is, of course, you know, it takes time for our eyes to adjust, and then at some point you start seeing, but you're not sure if you're seeing or you're not seeing, but uh, every like the whole time you're actually projecting something you're trying to recognize what it could be like you're trying to catch and then Natalia was uh, <laughs> Natalia was uh, actually bringing out this quote which is by Anil Set who is consciousness scientist who is um, who is actually working on the theory called predictive coding, theory of perception. And then um, he's saying that, um, and this is from the text from the book, Retreating to Darkness Towards the Phenomenology of the Unknown, which we published in Sharing Stiftung, which uh, where his text is called Controlled Hallucinations. Um, and here he's saying perception must be there for process of inference in which indeterminate sensory signals are confined with prior expectations of beliefs about the way the world is in order to form the brain's optimal hypothesis and of the causes of these sensory signals. So this is basically what is happening. And um, so what we see is the brain's best guess. So I think this, this was for you, it was important to actually bring this concept of perception into like how you can imagine this state further. And uh, actually what um, I thought would be nice to mention in this conversation is um, the time that um, that Nat, Natalia and uh, me, we were working together in Braunschweig with, with students and we were running the seminar which was called Spatial Sensing, where I guess everything was also about like how by sensing you can create the space and this space is all, always soft. <laughs> yeah, it's like that. So we wanted to show here, um, maybe you can use the, the, um, some images of one experiment that we did with students. So when they entered the space, they saw just this. Uh, first, they didn't see anything because it's pitch dark, but then after a few minutes, you start, you see the circle. And uh, then you would need to stay like 20 minutes to see exactly what is happening but um, after a few minutes your eyes adjust so you see a little bit more and then the, the experiment is actually it's actually this so you can see that there is a frame it's a it's some cellar in the university uh, everything is painted black so you don't have any reflections of light which would show you uh, how the space is uh, constructed and um, here you have one frame and on the frame there is, uh, it's interwoven with um, transparent lines, with fishing lines, which reflect one lamp, which is at the back. So the geometry of the lines is such that it actually creates a um, circle or ellipse basically. And uh, as one moves, this, uh, this circle is changing its size and shape. So basically, 
um, this is what students see, and then uh, they're architecture students. No? So, so um, they somehow have a way of representing their spatial experience. And then they were asked to fill some questionnaires and also make drawings of what they saw. So basically, these are some of the drawings. So they, they were, I mean, they were quite confused as to where the space ends, like where this is positioned. As you can see, no? These are the different options of what they thought they were seeing. So the, the, the space that they were creating in their imaginations and the and actual space are quite different. And then there is the, how do you connect this space to the, the overall softness? <laughs> Soft, uh, Hmm? Wall disappear, no sense of surrounding. I felt uneasy, attractive of what I was unsure of my position, even close to entrance, felt far removed. It, so, so this is those are the words of a, a student that was uh, taking part in this. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. You have a couple of minutes more, but then we have to wrap like okay. questions mm -hmm. and. Um, Discussion. Oh yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so this a video of what the students were seeing in the in the cellar, and it's actually very intriguing. You see different kinds of cycles. Oh no, this is your art piece, actually, Ivana. Am I right? But produced by students. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this, <one> is. <laughs> ah, this is you. Oh, this is you. <laughs> uh, no, basically, this is uh, artwork, and this phenomenal of a circle is taken from this artwork to use it actually in experiment in much simplified version. But the artwork is working the same way. So basically, you can see now only the person with camera is moving. There is no zoom or or anything. Just uh, the walking to the street, and that's it. It looks like this from one point of view. Okay. So <laughs> thank you very much. We can close it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We took a bit. What ah, click for Yeah. <laughs> So we have, we're going to open the discussion to, to the floor. Thank you very much. It was very uh, refreshing and unusual because usually we always have a, an anthropologist on board or someone who really is like working within the discipline. And uh, so, yeah, here we are with, with two artists and architects and, and that, that's really wonderful. And the way you work with students is especially inspiring, I believe. And the thematics around perception is also something that we can really um, build upon as well. Um, are you really seeing what you want or or what is there? And that's a big question for, for us in, in many different cases. But please, um, is there any question, um, um, uh, anything, any urgent uh, pressing comprehension question maybe or more um, open question? Um, let us know in the chat by putting a C or just take. There was one comment um, in the chat that just to make sure it doesn't get lost, which was around, the possibility, um, I think Natalia knows the person who made the comment, maybe there's a discussion to be, that they might be interested in having <clears throat> about how you actually, for me, it relates to the question of time. And I'd like to come back and ask you a question about um, about fungi, about mushrooms um, and in relation to time. But there was a very technical, interesting question, which was basically, have you tried using long exposure photography? <laughs> maybe you want to speak to that. It's not so simple. <laughs> yeah. 
Why is it not so simple? <clears throat> because actually sensitivity of the camera is actually not, not so high usually. And even for example, for some of the works that I can just give example of some of the works that I was doing before, which are really, uh, um, some of them are pitch dark with some very small uh, lamps. Uh, usually we need to, you know, increase the light or uh, somehow stage some situation which would allow camera to actually capture the, um, and the um, environment a little bit. So, so basically the long exposure can work, but it can also not work sometimes. Yeah, and then for mushroom, it's this. Yeah, I did get some result, as you see my famous yes. photo, but then it's really not this what you see. And this, I, I, it's really like a research how you make it close. Yeah, because I made a possible to make a photo, but then it was not really this, the glow and this, yeah. <laughs> So it is interesting and this also, of course, there is for sure maybe some yeah, research that could bring it better, but it's interesting, yeah. And, uh, Thanks. So maybe we can come back to the question of, of Jen about fungi and, and time. Yeah, um, okay. So I have some practical knowledge of, I guess you would call them, um, fungi that relate to wood in particular, um, to decaying um, wood structures in, in art that I've been, you know, found interesting in relation to forests, of course, as well. So both, both the living and the dead, but I was really intrigued by your point around how really, as a material, they are time. Um, I was wondering about time since you mentioned how in your earlier um, microbial um, illustrations, you mentioned that some relation between upscaling um, and slowing down. So I was already thinking about time. And then you talked about how fungi are time. Um, and then you described how they are kind of, they are time, but they're also eating everything. <laughs> um, and that's what they are and that they can eat pollution, they can eat radiation, that decay is a process of consumption. And I started really thinking about um, the excessive stuff. I'm, and so the theoretical thing um, I'm thinking around at the moment is the parasite. And I started thinking around um, these sorts of wood um, rot and various forms of fungi that, 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 that bloom in forests which are growing and yet they grow in an, on the excessive um, you know, the stuff which is decaying and changing. And I just was really attracted to this idea, um, particularly in relation to time. And I'd love to hear a bit more of your um, perspective on that, please. Yeah, okay. yeah because when you dip uh, more into it, then you realize that uh, like fungi are started, like life on earth started pretty much with light, lichens and uh, fungi, which is symbiosis. And it was 1.5 billion years ago. And then if you see, because I was really looking into these uh, fungi that eat uh, uh, radioactivity or feed on radiation, uh, <clears throat> that actually they just kind of remember, ah, because planet was pretty radioactive in this time. And in the meantime, radioactivity decayed but then in the now that we kind of as humans we produce 
this not not this background radioactivity from space, but we produce radioactivity. These kind of fungi of 20th century, this was Chernobyl, just kind of, for me, I thought they remember this evolution, early evolution when the whole surrounding was this. So this kind of, it is impressive. And then this of decay, yeah, because they are degrading things and otherwise everything will be fresh and new, no? <laughs> and we will not uh, know how all these are food. So yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Parazin and Maxine will know because in the, when you work with bacteria in several uh, hours, it's a new generation of bacteria. So it's evolution until you work, like you work with material, but in the meantime is a completely evolution already happened. Yeah. So the colleagues, Kander Herub is really now looking into this, into material and phenotype. And yeah, because fungi are not so fast, but it's, yeah, could be. And then this of upscaling, like what happens on this scale, <clears throat> it's so fast that upscaling means for humans means to slow it down to realize what's going on so this is you know ah i see i see thank you so <laughs> thank you for that um we have a question um from janine um or you maybe you prefer janine madeline um i'm not sure but please uh please go ahead Thank you. Yes, actually, it's Janine Madeleine, but thank you. Um, yeah, it was a, a very interesting talk and uh, wonderful material that you have been presenting. I was just wondering if you, um, if this uh, multi-species perspective did ever have, did, did play a role in in, um, in your work? 